One, two, three. Do it. Oh, Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome, welcome to another edition of the Scholars Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Brownmarkle. With me, as always, my cohort, compatriot, compadre, Kimosabe, Mike Anderson. It's good to be back. It's good to be back, Mike. It's good to be back. It's been, God, it's been days since we last recorded. Right. Just, you know, days. So, here we go, Mike. Off-season part two. We're just going to get right into it. Getting right into it, Mike. Mike, why are we dilly-dallying? Like, we could sit here, we could kind of banter back and forth. We could talk, you know, a little bit about, you know, burgers and tots we had earlier. And we could talk about that if you want. How about this? Pop pop question out of nowhere. What's up? Favorite Viking of all time. Ooh. Of all time. Favorite Viking of all time. You don't have top of your head, huh? There, well, there's, there's so many names that are going through my head. What What's your favorite Viking of jo- all time? Johnny Randall. Johnny Rand? Yeah. He's up there. He's up there. Oh, the war paint. I yeah. just... You know, it's not a bad like one. Like the top two jump out for me. Him and then and then Randy. Yeah. You know, gosh. I don't know. That's, that's, that's a tough question because I think the I mean, reasons are... You can are, give me a couple names if the, you're... The reasons are very different for me than they are for you. I mean, John Randall was like the... He, he brought me to the fandom level that I'm at, right? It was the... Right. He drew me in, and every week I looked forward to seeing that war pain and seeing, like... I don't know. It's just... It, it brought me to another level with cheering for this team. See, see for me, I think who was the guy that kind of drove me a lot with the fandom was probably Chris Carter. Yeah. No, I, I think... I mean, Carter's definitely up there for me as well. Uh, but, however, one of my... I think one of my favorite seasons was Brad Johnson Part Two because you, because you you heard stories like every week of like how we'd have three full sets of jerseys and and under garments every game so we'd have one he'd go do the warm ups in he'd change he'd have one he'd do the first quarter and he'd change and he'd have one he'd do the the, the second and, and or the third and fourth quarter in. I don't know I, I don't know why. Boy, that's so entertaining to me, but right. No, yeah, that's. But no, for me it'd be Chris Carter, and then I, you know Johnny Randall's up there, Randy Moss is up there, um, Robert Smith I think is way up there too. Robert Smith would be up there for me. Um, Antoine Winfield, Fred Smoot, Smoot. <laughs> if you haven't seen the documentary, we're just gonna go a little bit into Vikings history here at the, the the Barstool. I think it's Barstool Sports documentary on the Love Boat. Oh my God! Watch it. It is hilarious. Oh, they they interview Smoot. It's hilarious. I, I'm gonna put that on the watch list. It's, I guess. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Anyway, Mike. You now that we digress for a good solid couple yeah. minutes. Yeah. Well, we need a little bit more of an intro. Well, I think, yeah. I so. mean, you know, I, I'm just excited, Mike. I'm excited. All right. We're, we're part of we're part of the Daily Norseman now. We're, we're joining forces with them. You know. Yeah. Um, climbing the pocket, joining forces with them. It's exciting. Yeah. I just want to jump into it. Give the give the guys some content. Right. You know. We're, we're excited. We're like. I'm we're excited. Like Jojo, the Indian circus boy, <laughs> with a pretty new pet. You know. We just got to try not to kill it. You know. Yeah. Let's or, do or it. Do we want to kill it? I like you. What's your face? It's hard. Is this bad? Okay. Okay. Is this bad? Is this bad, Mike? Okay. Moving on. So, off-season changes. Last episode, we went through some some uh, the draft recap, kind of. We went through the whole draft recap. The whole draft. Well, not not the whole the Vikings draft. Right. Not, not the whole. We didn't have we, time. We, didn't, we we don't have we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. I mean, we we were thinking. Well, uh, it's actually a pretty nice little Saturday. We're uh, we're gonna go to Home Depot. No. Yeah, buy some wallpaper. Maybe get some flooring. Something I don't know. Like that. Maybe bed bath and beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's gonna be enough time. We we didn't. We didn't have enough time to. I go had to go buy a two thousand dollar dishwasher. 
for my wife. No, okay, no. You're, you're, okay. Sorry, I digress. We can edit that out later. Okay, no, we're not going to edit that out, but he's counting in a finance phone. Like, you know, when you buy a phone on, on your carrier and then you pay it off monthly? He's counting that against the money that was spent in one day. I don't okay. count that. That's just, no. It's Either about, way, it's... Anyway, we digress. It was a long day right. yesterday. So... I need to get to the focus on the Vikings. Just okay. Just so you're aware, this is what you're gonna get in this podcast, sprinkled in here and there. We do get into some good Vikings topics, but you know, we digress a little bit sometimes. Do I sound like a happy guy to you, Frankie? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes right. yes. Okay. Uh, coaching changes. Yes, coaching changes. Wait, we don't have a uh, D. Philip anymore. No. No, we do D. Philip him off. Bye. You gone. Where, where did he go? Jaguars? And now they have Nick Foles? Yeah, they're match made in heaven. We'll see what they do. No, they got Fitzmagic, don't they? Oh, yeah. Wait. No. No. That's Miami. Miami's got Fitzmagic. Oh, Fitzmagic. He's though. literally played for every team in that division except for Patriots. Yeah. Matter it's of time. Weird, man. Matter it's of weird. time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Stefanski at, uh, at OC. Yes, um, interim OC at the end of 2018. What do we see? Uh, what we see? Like four games of that? Yep. Four, well, Seattle, yes, and then we had four games after that. Um, did it right, I think. Um, obviously, it's a tough situation. You're going to take over. Yeah. You can't really have a chance to install what you want to install. You're just kind of, at that point, adjusting play calling, adjusting yeah. basically an already molded piece of clay as much as you can. Um, but I think we saw some uptick. I think after that, we had the Miami game where we. We trounced them, um, so obviously there's something there. Um, so I'm curious to see what he does with a, a full full gambit. I mean, he was sought after by um, what's Giants. Giants. Uh, Pat Shermer. Yep. Um, he's I Browns. Think he's, he's been here through several regimes, if if I'm not mistaken. There were there were a few teams because what Giants weren't the Browns? In, didn't he interview with them? Yes, I think I think the Browns interviewed him for actually head coach, which is weird. Because we blocked him to interview for OC for Shermer. Yeah. Because few teams. I mean, it doesn't really matter. That's but. a lateral. But then the Browns, I think, interviewed interviewed him as a head coach. Obviously, he didn't get that. That went to Kitchens. Um, so obviously, he's seen as a bright mind. I think he's coached all of the the position groups. He's coached tight ends. He's coached he's wide been, receivers. He's been here something like fif- quarterback. Yeah. Fifteen. In the same amount time, I think. 15? It, I think he was even here when Chile was here. Yeah. So he's been here a while, so he kind of has a lay of the land. He's seen all these guys develop, so theoretically he should know how to get the most out of some of these guys. Well, I think know? he's probably gained a lot of trust, right? And I know that right. that's kind of been a, uh, you know, a horse that's that's been beaten a little bit here over the last year. In in that sure. he's gained trust of players. They talk to him, bef- you know, and give him give him their peace of mind that he can ultimately pass up the chain. Um, but I think that that is something just, and don't even take it from the NFL. Look at your own work environment. Look at, um, you know, that structure. I think we all tend to do that, right? You, you have right, a this, confidant. There's the one guy that you trust that it's like yeah. you kind of vent to a little bit and vent your frustrations. And then that guy can relay it in an appropriate manner to the upper level. Right. Um, and I think that that he, that's that's something that exists. I'm not saying that that's, we're going to see this major difference because of it, but I think um, it could probably only be looked at as a positive. And, and going back to your system, uh, I agree. I think it's extremely difficult to come in with four games left and really, uh, you know, try to make any massive changes. So right. you're going to be looking at um, a different play style here. And uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. You have to think as a guy that's been working through this organization, this is kind of a culmination of his work, right? Right. This is what he's been working toward, looking forward to. It's the organization he's been with. I think this is a defining moment for him, and you know he's got to be thrilled to be in this position. And, and the only hope there is for me is he sticks around for multiple years because um, and is still good and sticks around for multiple years. Oh, Zim's not getting any younger. You know, and and that might be part of the plan here. It might be part of the thing where Zim might be thinking of stepping back or – he he knows he's got a timetable on on his his hands where he's not going to be here for the next you know five years. I mean, I think he's the type of guy that would coach until he drops dead. Right. But you know, it's one of those things you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, but I think it's it's probably a lot easier for teams to um, for continuity, at least for performance continuity, to have an offensive head coach than as a defensive head coach. Yeah. No, I. 
it just, it just makes more sense. I mean, the Vikings in the last four years have had at least four offensive coordinators, I think. And it, it, we've seen what happens there. Right. So having a little bit of that continuity, I, I think it's going to be beneficial. And like I said, hopefully he crushes it, but he wants to stick around. That's the ultimate hope. I don't want to see him go coach off in a head coaching gig and then we're sitting here with the new LC again. Well, I... I but there's a caveat. I'll let you let you continue. But there's well, I, I think for me, um, I think this year is is a real turning point. Uh, I know a lot of people thought with the cousin signing, we kind of had a, a three year window, and I know some people that um, I've talked to thought last year was not a piece of that window because we had so many new kind of pieces, and especially when you look at a quarterback and a coordinator. Um, you tend to not, you, you don't, in, historically, that's that's never been a, a situation where you, th- you really thrive. You get to that ultimate goal, which I think is a reason when we get to it here in a few shows, um, that you and I are in the same boat with the Green Bay having a new head coach and, and with Chicago losing a coordinator, um, that these teams are going to, you know, Green Bay, whatever, might actually, I don't remember what the record was at the end of last year, but I'm viewing them, Spoiler alert is a little bit of a 500 team, and I'm not saying that that's going to be a bad year, but a new coach and a philosophy and everything it's, is it's difficult. Tough. Now, uh, the Bears, I think we both are in agreement that um, you know they might have outplayed a, a little bit last year. Um, I think you're viewing them to take a bigger step back this year. But anyways, again, another show. Um, but just having the Cousins coming back, having uh, a little bit more continuity from just the four games last year sure. uh, with this team. And I think then the motivation from, they know that last year they, it, they just they didn't, didn't work out, right? It, it didn't work out. So I think when you look at Stefanski and then we'll kind of roll into the next point here and Kubiak coming in as an offensive advisor, um, we've really got a lot of intelligence um, on the offensive side of the football, which to me is exciting because uh, not only not necessarily intelligence, but intelligence and experience. Oh, exactly. Because exactly. I, I don't think anyone's going to argue that that Kubiak is not a, a football mind. And here's here's what I like about that. For one, I think it's a great insurance policy. I'm like I was alluding to earlier um, on if Stefanski leaves, because what you're doing is that my thought is what's happening is Kubiak is probably pretty heavily influencing what Stefanski is is setting up playbook wise. So in the event that if Stefanski performs well and he gets sniped for a head coaching gig, that all of a sudden now uh, Kubiak can just drop down to that OC role instead of having that assistant head coach offensive advisor role. He either drops down there or he elevates his son, Clint Kubiak, the the quarterback's coach to that role. And there's similar similar levels of continuity there. And I think that's going to be important. And I think that's part of what this whole strategy was. In, in both of these moves. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, we're going to kind of break this down from this level down at this point, and, and we'll certainly look at both sides of the ball here. Uh, but I think this is going to be one of the biggest drivers of change on the um, on the team overall, you know. Right. Um, I think defensively, we'll we'll talk about a few things here. We've we've had a few changes. Certainly, there was a point where we thought we had a, a few more changes, but right. um, someone ended up not going to New York, and uh, you know we'll kind of address that here in a moment. But I think offensively, what let, let's talk about. Okay, so so Stefanski's here. He's offensive coordinator. We have Kubiak as an offensive advisor. We have his son coming in. Um, I believe has a history with Cousins. I- yeah, I'd have to look up I that. I thought there was, a, 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 there might be a connection. but regardless, um, what does this mean? Let's talk a little bit about what, what this means to the team. Uh, as far as Kubiak and the whole package. Yeah, what are you in? what are you looking for? What do you think is going to happen, or what are some things? So I think a lot of times what you saw, um, at least with Cousins last year, was when the, when he was frustrated with um, uh, Di Filippo, who was who had his ear, his position coach, Stefanski. Yeah. Okay. So who did he vent to? So. That, to me, gives you an immediate rapport with those two that I think is very critical. You have your OC and your quarterback that are, are, are reading from the same sheet music. Um, Stefanski got an earful probably almost every game of what Kirk liked, what he didn't like. And then being that position coach, you were kind of zoomed in on the quarterback, which is the most important piece in that offense, and what he was good at, what he was not good yeah. at. Kind of the, the stats line of it. And the, that's what I also uh, – we've heard reports of that – they're they're digging more into those kind of advanced stats of okay we do really well at this this and this 
how do we augment that? How do we build more of that in? Um, so I think when we look at that aspect of just purely Stefanski and Cousins, I think that marriage is going to be a lot more successful than DiFilippo. And, and I agree because I think ultimately DiFilippo came in as, right, he was, he was highly touted. He's coming from a, a Super Bowl champion Eagles team. Hmm. And I think what he did is like, hey, this is my chance to make a name for myself. This is a short-term path to a head coach or to that next spot. Right. And I think he tried to bring in a system, regardless of the players of that system. Which and is not the way you want to do it. No, and I think you saw that, right? There were frustrations. Uh, certainly later in the year, you saw Thielen in the Seattle game. You, you saw Cousins frustrated. You, you saw a lot of it. You, you saw the Vikings not succeed, ultimately, at the end of the day. And I think what Stefanski is going to bring in is more of a, let's look at the players. What are they good at? What are they... What do they do well? And how do we tailor and, and how do we tailor that? that? Yeah. So yeah. I think you're going to see some more play action from Cousins. I think um, you're certainly going to see a, a better running game. Uh, I know you know it, it seemed at times that the Vikings ran the ball when everyone knew they were going to run the ball. And if you're sitting there on your, your couch going, "This is a run." You which, sure which, which is, it happens. Obviously, there are right. obvious running downs. But, but if it's ninety yeah. percent of the time, you know this is a run, and that's. You know, nine out of ten times that we do run the ball, you know it's going to be run. You sure as hell know the defense knows that. And so, you can key in on that really right. easy as a So defense. I think let's let's be a little bit smarter. Let's get Dallin involved, um, both in the passing game um, and and maybe not on that nine out of ten right. uh, there. So I think those are some of the changes we're going to see. Uh, one, one thing I can't believe I missed in here was uh, Kubiak brought along Rick Dennison, offensive line coach. Yeah. No, yeah. I can't believe I missed that show notes because no. I, I think this is one of the biggest. Yeah, I know where you're going the here. Biggest um, factors for improving the offensive line. Yeah. Um, and the reason why this is big is it's twofold. It's one, he is a highly touted offensive line coach. Okay. You look at what he's done in in teams, and I, I broke this down on Twitter one time. I, I might find it and try to try to link it, but um, he has taken units that have finished like like 25th, 26th in the league. And in a year or two, turn them around to being a top ten unit. No, and and if you put this, you put a top ten offensive line unit on this team with the weapons we have, the receivers, and the defense that we have, like that is a very good football team that can contend with any team. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's. it's We're going to the <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah, no, but yeah. So um, Rick Dennison, I think, is a huge, huge. If we made no other changes on the offensive line. I would be excited just because of the coaching change. Yeah. That, that's so exciting because it fits the pieces that we've been adding. Okay. The second portion of why Rick Dennison is a very good move is tied to the Kubiak. Because if you look at Kubiak's career, he's always either had Dennison with him or he has sought out Dennison after his, his current contracts have expired. Okay. Like there's a couple years where they don't line up, but that's because Dennison was like under contract with a different team. And as soon as he was out, he was with Kubiak. Sure. So they understand each other. They understand what kind of plays they want to run. They understand how to interface with each other in an effective manner to make offenses roll and to make offensive lines work. Sure. So just that marriage, those two, if nothing else happens, those two systems with the running game we're trying to run, with some of the play-action stuff we're trying to run, I think is going to be a very effective tool. And I think people are going to be surprised with this Vikings O-line based on the last few years of pretty poor play that we've seen from them. I think you're going to be surprised with what we're able to get on them this year just because of coaching and the few shrewd moves we've made. Well, and I think the last piece that I'll touch on for coaching, um, and it ties into uh, the O-line that you just mentioned, is uh, Tony Sperano last year was, Mm -hmm. um, I think, a huge loss. And I know if you listened, uh, you and I, you being an offensive line guru and, and just me, I think understanding the impact that that has across on sports across the board um, when you have a guy at that level that was a confidant to Zim at a very high level and, yep. and the team loved, the players loved, and to lose him that close to a season, I think really shook the team up. Um, there was a lot going on, and that was a, yep. I think that was a bigger deal than people think. And I'm not trying to make an excuse. No, but and, and that's, that's what I hate when people like try to dismiss us. Like, they're professionals. They should be able to play. No, they're still human beings. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, if, if you were to lose one of your personal confidants at work, if you were to die, that entire next month, I guarantee you, you would not be right in the head. Well, and especially, and I'm sorry, that's just the facts of it. Whether you're a professional football player being paid millions to do it or not, 
it's still human beings. There's still a human connection. And I, I think especially, you know, you take it a level further, and some of you that are listening certainly have jobs where you work hand-in-hand. Hand. You're, you're grinding it out with your bosses, right. your, your direct superiors on a day-to-day basis. That's the kind of relationship that these guys have. It's yeah. it's every day, every all the day time. Every day you're working with these guys. The families know each other, though. Yeah. yeah. No, it's... It was a, that, that was... A, I, think, I think that was an underrated storyline in the season. Yeah. And then you also look at Everson, the, the whole Everson yeah. thing. I mean... You can say this as an, it's an excuse for Mike Zimmer's tenure here, but there hasn't really been a season where nothing has happened that's completely weird and out of the ordinary with his tenure. And, you know, you hope we don't get any of that this year. You heard knocking on the wood there if you heard the, the table there. But, um, gosh, from you had, you know, almost losing an eye to having the Adrian Peterson thing, to having Teddy Bridgewater's freak injury right before, to having his old line coach love you, Teddy. have a heart attack. Yep, love <laughs> you too, Teddy. Um, and then, you know, having the Everson Griffin thing happen. Like, can we get a season without some of this, this weird off-the-wall drama that you never hear of? Yeah. Like, can we get one season that's clean of that? Yeah, you know, sometimes they just put it together. And, 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 and you know, you hope you can do it, but like you said, it's it's... It's it's these kind of things that affect guys that you don't even see on, you don't even realize how much it affects them because it's they're human beings still. You know it's 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 only natural. I mean, you know, like you just said, when you look back over the last X amount of years, the NFL, it's one of two things: either you're the New England Patriots, or you have a season like you just mentioned where it all comes together. Right. Uh, the Eagles, the, you know, you, you, those sorts of things. So everything comes together at the right yep. time at the right place. So let's let's hope. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of the coaching. Now let's move. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball okay. here. Um, let's talk about the O line and the overhaul. Let's, this is kind of your wheelhouse. So I'll right. let you start. So to preface this, um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future, but Reef right now is probably with the team for at least the next two years. Okay. So I think that that's a mainstay you lock in for the next two years because there's no other option for left tackle unless you draft one high next year. But I'm not anticipating we're going to have a high pick next year. One of those top guys isn't going to be there at 32 yet next year, Mike. Right. So we got Reef. He's the mainstay as far as I'm concerned. He's he's top half of the league. That's 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 perfectly fine for left tackle. You you can get by with that, all right? Then with the Bradbury pick, your Bradbury center, you have Elfline at left guard. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, that left side of the, the line, that's solid. Rock solid locking, and it's good. It's good to go. You got O'Neal coming off his, his strong rookie season at right tackle. Should be stronger physically now. Should be stronger physically as in a full off season. He'll have a full camp um, at that position, not playing backup snaps, but taking first team snaps. And he's going up against Neil Hunter every single every single he, time. He in, seems in like a jersey candidate for you. You know he is. I pro- you know what? I'm, when, it, when you buy your next jersey, I think I might get an O'Neal jersey. All right. I don't know why I don't have one yet, honestly. I, that, that's what I'm wondering. He okay. seems like the perfect guy. D- to be fair, okay, so I brought a ba- I bought a Bradbury jersey already. because true. Garrett I'm Bradbury, staring at it right now. Garrett Bradbury. Oh, that pick. I love that pick. If you want to hear more about that, go to the last episode. We talk about that for a little in-depth. For, yeah. for a little bit. Um, and then you got the right guard spot. So right now, that's, that's slotted in as Josh Coyne. Right. No. I think we've gone over Josh Klein previously, but it's worth touching on again. Yeah. He had a relatively down year last year, all right? But prior to that, he was ranked as one of the, the highest guards in the week, all right? Now, he had a down year, they replaced him. My typical uh, modus operandi for players is you look at the average and not the outlier, okay? So for that, that means Josh Klein is he's due for a bounce back to his average, which is a very high-level guard. And for a guy like Case Keen that we had, his average was fairly poor, and his outlier was 2017. We saw that. We didn't buy into the average, or we didn't buy into that, that high in 2017, and then outlier, which is why we didn't pay him the $18 million that Denver did, and then they traded him. Okay? So, Klein should be an all-right right guard. He should be. And if at bare minimum, he should be better than Rammers at right guard. So you're looking at a left tackle who should be what you've been expecting from him the entire time he's been here, which is average, which is fine. You're looking at a left guard spot who is now not some random guy off the street because you're not really spending much on that the last couple years. So that should be an upgrade. You're looking at a center who should be 
if, if I'm to be believed, one of the top centers in the league this next year, just based on his skill, his, his, his mentalness of the game, and the scheme he's being put into. You're looking at a right guard who should be better than last year, and you're looking at a, a right tackle who showed flashes of extremely good play last year and has only gotten stronger and should only get better in the system he's being placed in. So this whole line, there is almost zero chance in my mind this line gets worse than last year. And this should be a top 10 unit this year. Woo! Woo-hoo-hoo! Should be a top 10 unit this Hang year. Hang on a second. I like you. No. <laughs> no, I am not crazy, okay? <laughs> I am not crazy, all right? Uh, all right. <laughs> let me let me let me bring it out a little more. Uh, okay, you, you you bring in your your normal view, and I'll I'll take I'll pull back my homework. So I'm not I'm not even gonna go across the line. Let's just start out Bradbury again. If you listen to last show, you know I'm excited about that pick too. I think the Vikings got their guy. He, if, if, I'll just put it this way: If you're a Vikings fan, and you're not excited about the Bradbury pick. What the hell are you doing? Right, uh, Remington Award winner. Uh, six what six three two hundred or three hundred pounds. Um, a guy with some experience that I think can immediately step in and be an impact player. This is not a guy that should have to come in, uh, learn you know, learn the ropes. I think even with... 6'3", 306 pounds. So I think even Elfline, uh, we looked at as a surprise, right? When he came in his first year and played relatively well, yep. uh, you weren't expecting that. It was kind of like, oh, this is nice. Yep. I, I think you can expect... A higher level of play right Absolutely. out the gate from Bradbury. So excited there! I think we're rock solid. I, I will say this: you'll see a couple, you'll see a handful of plays that game where you're going to be like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. So um, I think uh, Elfline. Let's hope that he's healthy. Um, I love the move. Uh, I love the shift left there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it should give him an opportunity to really have well, ultimately it, one of the best years that he probably his best year. Here's here's what Elfline has, has, has excelled at. Well, it's, it's ten years. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, you're, you're good. He's excelled at moving in space and getting out in space and, and lateral movement and pulling movements. Right? He's excelled at that. When you're in a Kubiak system and a Denison system, they're asking guards to do that. So he should fit right in there, and he should be a perfect little pawn that they can move around and shift around. Right. And you got Delvin that can break tackles like a monster. So if you get him out in space and he makes just a tiny block on some DB five yards down yeah. the line, Delvin's going to make a cut, and he's going to get 30. No, I know. And you're going to see that. Oh, I'm excited. You're going to see that dozens of times this year. If any of you end up in a fantasy oh. football league with me, um, I will pay for Delvin Cook. But, um, uh, well, yeah, I'm gonna be in the fantasy yeah. league with you, and <laughs> I'm gonna probably be fighting <laughs> for Dalvin Cook. So. Uh, no, but let's okay. So those two, uh, you know, I'm good on. Let's shift across. Let's go over to the right tackle, um, O'Neal. We just touched on. I think uh, I'm excited. Uh, full off season, he really excelled last year. I think there's no reason not to be excited about him. Uh, he did everything the right. team could have asked last year, and uh, really excited for his future. Let's jump back across. Let's now let's shift to kind of where I'm coming at you from. Not this top ten unit. Uh, Riley Reef, not a guy that excites me. I think the Buffalo game last year was one of the worst performances that a tackle could have had in the entire history of the NFL. I don't disagree. He was a turnstile. And but, um, now I know that it's one performance, and I'm I'm probably going over the top there. But and I know that you love to, to say that this line is needs to work in unison, and it's a correct. new it's a new line coach, it's a new line, and maybe they will work great together. Um, we've certainly seen before that he has the capability to play as that that top half of the league talent. But I think looking at this at, from the perspective of, um, you know, maybe it, you don't take as much of the homer view and it's more like, okay, what could go wrong here? Reef is definitely a piece of this line that, that might have some concerns, certainly, okay. with, with coming from the edge. But let me play advocate on you. What do you think of the red guard spot? So that's, that's where I was going next. Okay. Um, Before we get there, let me just comment on the, the Riley Reef situation. Okay. So... I understand your concern, and I completely agree that he hasn't played his best football. Okay. However, if you're upgrading center, you're upgrading left guard, you're upgrading right tackle. Yeah. If you're all getting stronger, you're all getting better. You can now do some pretty shifty stuff where you're aiding your left tackle a Great. lot more that you couldn't do before. Yeah. So that should take some pressure off a of reef. And then system that we're we're trying to run, you really shouldn't have too many situations where he needs to hold strong as, as hard as he sure. has been tasked to before. Sure. So th- that's where I see, yeah, I understand his average. I don't think he's the long-term solution for us here. No, and you They're said that. They're just a better option. 
No, and you said that, and I think then you know you move to the right guard, and let's let's just for right now assume it's Klein. Um, Which I think I think you'd have to see some insane play of a guy like Drew Samia, right? To unseat Klein because we're, we've committed fifteen million to him over the next three years. So you know you have Klein. Where for me, I, I don't really know what that's going to mean, right? It's it's a bit of an unknown, and that can be exciting, but it can also be scary, and. Uh, I think that's where I'm looking at this as I don't need this to be a top 10 line. In my mind, if they can be a top 16 line, I think that this team is still going to be set up for some pretty strong success. Um, so, for one thing, I completely agree with you there. Because with the weapons we have, with the Delvin Cook, the Irv Smith, the, the Kyle Rudolph, the Stefan Diggs, the Adam Thielen, with the weapons we have and the quarterback we have, if you can be average at O-line right now, yeah. I think we're going to we're going to make some ways on offense. However, I expect a positive regression to the mean for Klein, so he should be better than his last year self, and his last year self really wasn't that bad. He's also going to be a sizable improvement over Remmers, yeah. which is going to take a lot of pressure off of O'Neal. And O'Neal's already got the technique there where if he gets overpowered, I've seen dozens of highlight reels on O'Neal where he gets overpowered at, at the line, Guy doesn't even get close to the quarterback because he knows how to shift that, that player away because his, his technique is so sound already. So I'm looking at three guys that are technicians on this, on this line that can move around in the system. And yeah, if you have question marks in the other two, I don't think it's going to matter. With what we're going to do, I just don't think it's going to matter. I think we're well, going to be top ten system. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm not trying to say there's oh, not yeah, a chance no. of it, but yeah. I'm coming in. I do think Elfline, Bradbury, O'Neill improvements. I'm excited about those three. I hope Reef and Klein have solid years, and I think you're right. If Reef and Klein come in and have what they consider to be good, good football years, um, there's a great chance that this line can be more flirting towards that ten number. Right. Um, and and I think that that uh, will obviously mean some good things. So I will eat crow. Last year I said it was going to be much improved. I think it was going to be. I said it was going to be top half line. There is no metric I could find, and I looked hard to prove me right on that one. There's no metric I could find that put us in the top half. Of the week. No, and now you're doubling down to top ten. I'm going top ten because, goddamn, I'm excited about Garrett Bradbury. I'm excited about O'Neill year two. I think Elfline's going to have a little renaissance after having a full off season. Because last year, you got to understand, he was dealing with ankle surgery and shoulder surgery, so he had literally no off season to gain any functional strength or actually get to play in shape before he was asked to play again. And then you come in with Klein, who a guy who had a down season. He knows he had a down season, and he's probably coming in to prove himself. So I'm excited. I'm excited about this O line. All right. I haven't been this excited about the O line in probably a decade. Well, well, let's talk about if that O line is good, like you're saying. What it, what is it going to do that running game and that that running back stable? Um, like I said, with, with the system we're trying to run, I think it's going to open up a lot of doors because what you do and what you did with the Bradbury pick is you added a mobile center. And you already had a mobile center in Elfline, who's now shifted to guard. And you have um, a guy like O'Neal, who is also a very agile guy. So I think you're adding a lot of flexibility there to get these guys out in space, do this kind of zone blocking deal, and get Delvin out on the edges where he really excels. Like There are a dozen or so runs last year where you see Delvin just get on the edge, make a cut, and he's gone. Like. Expect that every week with this team. With a system Kubiak and, and Stefanski are going to run, and Dennison is going to be coordinating that run game, you better believe we're going to be getting that guy out in space. So expect that. No, I... As long as Telvin's healthy, man, that running game is going to be electric. I mean, like I said, I think Delvin is in line to potentially be a top three back this year. Overall, I think they're going to use them in, in a lot of unique ways. And, uh, you know, Madison, I think we both agree, is going to be probably the, the secondary back. We're not sure on maybe the, the other pieces there, whether it be uh, C.J. Ham or, or whether it be Boone, uh, whether it be Amir Abdullah. Um, either way, I think that there's going to be um, – I think you nailed it, right? There's going to be a lot of options for them to have some space. And, and right. obviously you're primarily focusing on Delvin there because we've seen what he can, he can do with the ball in hand. I think he consistently leads, like, missed tackles. And, yeah, and missed tackles. Ability to, yeah. yeah, so uh, really excited about that. And I think just, just 
having a more efficient offense and just using the players, like we mentioned going back to the coaching, using the players with what they do well as opposed to trying to come in and just push a system on everyone. Like, so, like don't try to put a square peg in a round hole. Make, right. make a square hole so you can fit your pegs through it. Right. Like, there's no reason I'm trying to modify the pegs when you can make a system that works for them. So, yeah, I think I'm right there with you on the running backs. Um, so, before we're going to do our next topic here, we'll, we'll take a little break and uh, we'll come back, talk about a little tight ends, and uh, go from there, Mike. Okay. All right, coming on back in here, talking about uh, talking about the Vikings' offensive improvements here in the offseason, kind of coaching staff, uh, rolling right on through to O-line to running back, and now we're back to tight ends, Mikey. So with the addition of Irv Smith, we're going to be able to do a lot more two and three tight end sets effectively. So what's, what's your take on here? What, what's, what's, this, what's this monster going to look like? Well, I think Rudy's coming off a pretty solid year, right? Um, and you look at Irv Smith, a guy that uh, I believe is going to have some opportunities to make some really big catches for us. Don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be, um, you know, a focal point or involved in, in year one, just because there's not really a history of that in the NFL with tight ends making a real big impact. Unless, but, unless it's like Hall of Fame level tight end. Well, even even a lot of those guys that it's just it, you don't see it to like a super high level, right? right. Um, so I, I think a great year for him might even look like 20 catches or you know something along those lines. But um, certainly, it's exciting to help with the blocking, help uh, free up some of that running game. And, um, you know, I think Rudolph has made some really clutch catches for us. Uh, maybe a guy that will often get looked at to maybe get that first down. Um, I don't know. For me, it, it's always a, a, a safety play, those those big guys that that can haul that ball in. So so, so just to be clear, so a lot of Irv Smith's catches, you're expecting to hear this? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, yeah. And, okay. and I think even the okay. tight end position. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what else there's to say there. I think uh, it's going to be a key part of the offense for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm really excited about the offense this year, and I know we're going to touch on Diggs and Thielen here next. But, man, it should be a fun time uh, to watch when, when we get that football. I want to touch on Rudy a little bit here from a, a cap perspective here because uh, – that's what I do. That's what I'm good at. I manage the numbers and I, I take a look at them. So, Kyle Rudolph, <clears throat> let me bring up the old contracts here. Um, because he entered this year with one year left on his contract with zero dead money. All right? So we could have cut him and said, bye-bye. We owe you nothing more. However, what we did is we gave him a four-year $36 million deal with a $7.25 million signing bonus. For those of you that don't know, signing bonus is spread over the, the full length of contract up to five years. Okay, So what that means is this year his debt cap is $9 million and he's counting as um, $3.55 million against the cap. Okay, This is important because we were up against the cap on um, the contracts that we had and then you bring in the practice squad that we need to account for in season and the rookie pool that we just added. So all those things together, we were over the cap by a couple million. So we needed to make this move prior to the season actually starting. We can get into more on that in a later episode. So this move freed up cap space in this year, and then it gave the Vikings mobility even after this year if they decide to want to cut Cal Rudolph. His cap hit in 2020 is $8.825 million, and his, his dead money is only $5.8 million. So you'd save $3 million by cutting Kyle Rudolph next year. Now, with this move of keeping him here with Irv Smith, I believe he's fully going to play out this year and next year, Kyle Rudolph will. But I wouldn't put anything beyond that on, on any kind of block. Because if you have Irv Smith and he starts to, to do well, he starts to develop into who you think he is, you're probably going to look at getting a lot cheaper at that position group and letting Cal Rudolph go. Right. I, I, I mean, I would agree. I think that was, uh, you know, you being the the cap expert uh, in-house, so to speak, and actually even uh, on Twitter, I know a lot of people go to you for that. 
Um, There's me and my buddy named, uh, I guess the account is called Per. It's like Steve-O or something like that. Only come. If you're ever asking me something, I don't know. I'm going to him. Yeah. So. <clears throat> no, I, I think you're looking at Rudolph Stain, uh, big big piece of the community here, and also, yeah, um, it, listen, it, we, we have a window, and, and, and he and knows it. Right. To be clear, I'm not saying I dislike Rudy. I'm not saying I want him to be on no, the team. No, I know. It's, it's a business. For, for the listeners, I'm saying it, it's a business. It's a money deal. Um, I don't see him being on the roster you know, in 2021 at $9.45 million. I just don't see it. I don't see him at, tw- at 2022 at $10.2 no. million. I just don't see it. I don't see the value there. And at the end of the day, no matter how good these guys are in the community, no matter how good they are, you know, to the team at large, there's a dollar value they're worth to the team, and there's a dollar value they're paid. And if they're paid more than they're worth, they're cut. That's just how the math works. And it sucks sometimes, but such as the business. Yep. So, um, Let's talk about a couple guys that will be on the roster in 2021. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. What about 2022? I'm thinking, yeah. 2023? Yeah. Well, no, not 2024, <laughs> though, right? Long term. Are you talking about Diggs and Thielen? Indeed I am. The bad boys of the Vikings? They, uh, I think in, in our mind, the best receiving duo. It shouldn't be in our mind. It should be in the... They are the best receiving team yeah. in the league. So if you don't believe that, you're delusional. Now you can say whatever you want about the, the quarterback and, and the offensive line of, the, of that team. They're the best receiving duo in the league. I'm not arguing. Just what it is, man. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot to say here, right? They're going to continue to probably get better because now they've got a year with Cousins uh, even more so. They're going to have a year uh, with a system that should be focused on their strengths. And um, you're looking at potentially having some two tight end sets that uh, might draw a little bit more attention to the Dalvins and, and maybe some play actions and uh, hopefully get them in a position where they can make some bigger plays. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a little bit more of the big play game. I know we saw some of it early in the season, especially I know that Green Bay game I was at late Diggs, uh, third, uh, fourth quarter. Nice yeah. So I think and look for more of that, right? Feeling that ridiculous catch. Oh. God, what? How did that ball sit even sit down there? in the corner? I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I still don't. The, that catch still does not. I don't understand that catch. It's it's very similar to the the Bradford catch. Um, you you know the one I'm talking about? That's like there's no way he saw that receiver in the opening game last year in in 2017. You, you remember you remember that catch I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where it's like. How how did you know that guy was right. there? Just an insane catch. Um, but yeah, so also cap space wise, Vikings took care of Thielen this year. Um, I didn't expect that honestly. I thought they'd let him play out another year of his deal, but obviously they they felt they wanted to keep him happy, keep him here, hometown boy. So I, I don't think there's a person alive that shouldn't really be rooting for Adam Thielen. Right. So I'm right there with you. I can't wait to see what these guys do year two with Cousins, and in the system with like you said. The tight ends taking pressure off them. Dalvin Cook taking pressure off them. Oh, this <laughs> offense could be dangerous, Mike. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a dangerous dangerous squad. You know, this offense could wake up feeling dangerous. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know what that's, that's a given. We know what we're going to get out of them. Okay. What about our friend, Mike? This is the big one, right? Captain, Captain, the Captain. Captain this Kirk? would probably be, uh, man, would you say this is probably the most important piece um, in terms of the biggest impact on actually how far this team yes. goes? Yes, I would. Because Kirk has this narrative of folding under pressure, and you want to know what? It's completely warranted, because he has. And he's been a statistically good quarterback. You look at his, his volume stats last year. 4,000 yards. Phenomenal. 25 touchdowns. How many games did we win? Eight. 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 Think 08-8. We went 8-7-1, but we won eight games. Okay? That's not going to cut it. That's not going to get you to the Super Bowl unless you're the Giants. Right. Okay? So, he's got to do better. He's got he's to absolutely crush it this year, too. And he's set up to do it. If the O-line shows up like I think it will, that's not an excuse for him. Thielen and Diggs, wide receiver one and two, are not an excuse for him. You have Rudy, you have Irv, and you have David Morgan in the run-blocking game. 
that should not be an excuse for him. You have Dalvin Cook, one of the most dynamic guys in the backfield. Not an excuse for him. It's on him. It's 100% on Kirk. And you want to know what? I'm 100% in on him. I think he can do it. But it is 100% on his shoulders where this team goes. We will go as Kirk goes. It's plain and simple what it is. Yeah. It's all in front of him. We have a stellar defense that's going to be top 10 because it's a Zimmerlite defense. They're going to be there. Can you capitalize on it? Can you make use of it? Right. Can you not screw it up and give away the ball in critical times? That's what it is. Yeah, and, and let's hope that uh, we've talked previously over the last, I don't know, two, three years we've been doing this show, the importance of being able to kind of get used to a place and a system and, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And I know there's going to be some of you out there like, nope, you should be able to walk in and you're playing football. Like, you've played football your whole life. You should be able to step up and thrive. And, right. and, and you know, there's probably instances of people that have done that, but more often than not, you see a little bit of that, uh, you know, there's there's time, there's there's a phase where you need to go in, you need to get used to things, and uh, I think we saw a little bit of that last year, and certainly we saw an offense that he didn't thrive in uh, for many reasons, whatever you want to point at, whether that be DiFilippo and, and whatever, um, it's, it's kind of water under the bridge right now. Uh, Something didn't jive, but we need to figure it out. Right, it's in the past, so... You know, now we look at this year, and you need to be able to win in prime time. The Vikings have four prime time games this year, uh, I believe. And well, it's gone up. We got Thursday night at home against uh, Washington. We have Monday night after the bye against Seattle. I think we have Sunday night against Cowboys. And I think there's one more built in there. I think my my birthday, be... uh, Monday night at home against Green Bay, December twenty third. Yep, okay, yep, so four. So. Um, Quarter of our schedule, prime time. Right, so you gotta you gotta look at those games. You've gotta look at right. You nailed it. He's put up some good numbers, and now I think uh, the numbers don't mean everything. No, they don't. But There's one number that matters. QB well, wins. Let's let's go win some football games, yeah. and and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I know it's a uh, it's a pain point for a lot of people. It's a turn point for a lot of Vikings fans. It's right. a way to get into big arguments, but it's, um, this is gonna be directed directly to Adam West. If you're if you're listening to this, this is directly for you. Okay. I understand some people dislike the signing of Cousins. They understand that they think that uh, we wasted that $84 million, right? Problem is, that's in the past. We ain't recouping any of that because it is all guaranteed. You have this situation. Now, what what does it take to get to there? What does it take? We're going to the playoffs! That's what it takes, baby, the playoffs. Get there. If, if we get to the playoffs this year, right? And win. And, and if we win the Super Bowl this year... I'm fine with that $84 million. He can not play it down in 2020. Right. I'll be fine with that. Yeah. But on some level, it's the money has already sunk, so put give him what he needs to succeed. And I think we've done that as best we could this offseason. Okay. Oh, 100%. I'll touch on this a little bit with the Anthony Barr situation, but in part of this, I think they were expecting that not to happen, so they were maybe slotting some money out for different pieces that he could get. But I think what they assembled was a pretty good set of, of pieces and players around him that give him really no excuses anymore. The coaching staff is there. The old line should be there. The, the weapons should be there. It's up to Kirk. Earn your $84 million. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think he's got to go out and, and prove to the people that believed in him, which I, th- I, I still think exists. I think the people that you're thought it was a waste of, of money, you're looking at two of them. Oh. Um, I think the people that thought it was a waste of money, um, they still have that leg to stand on, even though last year, well, 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, they had a winning record. But you're right, they missed the playoffs. But listen, so, if, if, if your end of the day is you need to win a Super Bowl, you have so many... Uh, there's only one guy, right, that you're deeming successful then at the end of every year. So right, in my which, opinion, which that's not a fair difficult. metric. Right, exactly. Um, now, I will say that, yes, last year... Uh, there was a lot of things going on. But overall, when I look at Cousins' play last year, I'm not that disappointed in, in what he did. But again, I don't yeah. want to spend too much time on this just because it's it's what? such a point of contention. Right. But Last point I'll make on this. Last point I'll make on this. When a player reaches the open market, right, when they're not retained by their team, what do you figure that the, the market upcharge is for that player when he reaches open for agency? 20%? Does that sound fair? 
So really, really high talented player. Like, say, yeah, say if, if we didn't, if we didn't get an extension walk down with Xavier Rhodes, he would have made probably 120 percent of what we give him. That's I think that's a fair estimate. Okay, if you apply that to Kirk Cousins, he's worth 23 and a half million dollars a year. Does what he gave us last year justify that cost? I think it does. So I think the $84 million, that, that number that's that's ominous and looming, I think that needs to be taken with a massive grain of salt because on some level you have to understand there is a free agency tax, okay? We went out and got the best quarterback available in that free agency period. Without a doubt, I don't think there's any metric that you could use that would justify any other quarterback that was available to the Vikings in 2018 season. That was better than than Kirk Cousins. Right. I don't think you could justify that. So yeah, we paid a lot for him. Yeah, it's fully guaranteed. But at the end of the day, was it the best move for the Vikings? I think so. Yeah. Because he didn't miss a game last season. He hasn't missed a game in his career. He's been on the injury report one time in his entire career. And the last time we had a quarterback that played more than two seasons, as in thirty-two games back to back, was I believe. Um, Tommy Kramer or uh, Fran Tarkington. That's how long it's been since this franchise has had a, a player right, right. A, a quarterback that has made that long of a, a straight stretch. Okay? There's something to be said for that. Consistency and knowing what you have there. Because then you know how to work around it, right? You know what you're getting from that position so you know how to maneuver, maneuver your other pieces to fit that need. Yeah. So... That's my last point, and that was move on because, like you said, this is going to be contentious, and I don't expect everyone to agree with us. And I think everyone's point is valid at this point because <clears throat> we expect him to do better. But if he doesn't, it's like, well, it's a free agent guy. Right. I don't know. It's. It is what it is. It is what it is, and you hope he does enough. But the pieces he has around him and the team he has surrounding him, like, he doesn't need to do much. But just, can I get a, can I get a trophy before I die? <laughs> just one? Just one. Is that too much to ask, Mike? This could be the year. If Kirk Cousins gets me that trophy, I will buy a Kirk Cousins jersey. Yes, that's what I want to hear. And it's going to be the best jersey ever. That's what I'm looking for. Anyway, moving on. 